Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of the Detour Live. We're about to unpack an epic stage of the Giro d'Italia. Uh, Scotty, we've got you back on the show again, and there's a little bit of echo again because we're trying the new mics. So <laughs> I know it's a shame wow. because it sounded so crisp, but there's feedback. Hang on, so I'll get some. We've right, worked you- that out. Well, well oh, I guess it's just say, G'day, Dan, how are you, mate? How are you, John? <laughs> well, it's a well-oiled machine. Now we've also got Phil Liggett uh, joining the show, and he's actually waiting in the studio, so we might as oh, well bring the voice of Cycling. Man, isn't he's he? very punctual, isn't he? Hey, <laughs> he is. on straight away. Well, I respond to these WhatsApps you send me. <laughs> I know you're such a good man, Phil. Well, I mean, we're excited. We're all we're all pumped up because last night's stage, you know, we couldn't uh, we couldn't get away from the armchair. We we uh, all right for you, Phil. You're watching it in real time, but we were were locked in, and Dan, uh, Scotty, and I were sort of texting each other back and forth about what was going to happen and whatever. So it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And Scotty's having some troubles with his uh, with his new microphone, so he's uh, playing games there. But um, I know you haven't got that long, Phil. But we really want to have a chat to you also about your your launching your new new uh, charity, which we want to go into in more detail. But I thought we'd, if you've got a couple of minutes, we just spoke with Whitey. I reckon it'd be great, uh, Dan, if we if we if we uh, listen to what Whitey had to say about uh, you know, his great uh, team ride yesterday, and then we can all dissect it. What do you reckon? Yep, sounds like a plan, John. You've made sense. That's a great start to the show. Uh, now, w- when we spoke to Matt, the preference of the first question was he made the big statement at the start of the Giro if uh, Re- uh, Enco buddy had a big ride at this Giro, uh, he'd go, uh, he might as well coach Netball because he doesn't understand cycling. It was his first Grand Tour. It was a big call. So that's the premise of, of the intro question. So here's our chat with uh, Whitey uh, earlier today. We're joined again by... Team Bike Exchange Head DS, Matt White. Now, Whitey, uh, we got a message from uh, the Melbourne Vixen netball team. They said, don't bother putting in your submission to coach the team um, because after Evan Paul's performance yesterday, I mean, you might be on the money, mate. <laughs> so, look, he, uh, I, look I, love, I love netball. I just think I probably wouldn't be the best coach. Oh, look, it was an interesting day yesterday. Uh, it was always going to be, um, but uh, there was a, there was definitely a few surprises uh, yesterday, and uh, we came out in with a very nice one. If he, you certainly did, mate. I, I think you might have been a, a little bit worried in that first section when uh, it did split. I mean, I can't believe our gun, our fast gunner went into that, and. I mean, everything split, and there was, you know, four of the really good GC guys got caught out in that split. Luckily, only by 20 seconds, and they all got back. But were you slightly concerned? Uh, no, because Evan Poole was in the second group, and he had he had a lot of tea. He had uh, three or four teammates around him, and at the end of the day, it was still 55 kilometres to go, and they, they were committing very, very hard, but uh, I knew what was coming up, and that was the, the really tough sections, and... Garner and all those guys were, were never going to pass those past sector two, so Bernard was going to run out of troops, and there, you know, there was always going to be an opportunity to come back. But um, oh, look, it's uh, I think that we could have done things a little bit better in certain sections, but at the end of the day, uh, we did enough to put Simon in a good position into uh, where it really mattered, and then especially Tamil Kanga. Uh, from Estonia on our team, he had a super ride yesterday, and he was very, very deep. Went went very, very deep with Simon into the final, and and then even after that, sitting on Evan Pool, which wouldn't have been uh, and and Almeida nearly all the way to the finish. So he had a, oh. a very, very solid ride. <laughs> Can you solve that one thing? I mean, everyone's questioning it, and it, no, no one's really answered it yet. Why didn't Almeida wait when Evan Pool got spat on that uh, that? Third, but, but uh, how's section. Whitey going to know that? Well, he'll know. He, he knows everything. He knows what's going on. One, why didn't he wait straight away? Maybe his radio wasn't working. I don't know. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. He's going to have the same insights as us. It's not as if he's going to be uh, running uh, over the going, Whitey knows. What answers? What happened? going on on the team there? I mean, normally, 
you know if your rider's gone, you don't have to wait for a radio. You look around, he's not there. Shit, I better wait up. My GC man's gone. No, he wasn't waiting. So I just wondered if you heard anything. Well, well, we it's it's pretty common knowledge. It's pretty common knowledge that there won't be teammates next year. But uh, it's it's probably hard to know where your leader is if you're riding in front of them. Mm. Now, <laughs> you, okay. You, you, <laughs> okay. I know you've got. We've got hundreds of thousands of people watching this podcast, so you've got to be careful what you say, Whitey. But I, I, I got to say, I, I was nervous. Look, as we talked about last night, I was nervous about the day, uh, as far as the safety of the riders was concerned, about not being fair to the GC riders. But I was excited for it to come. As it turns out. No one who lost time there lost it through bad luck, really. They all lost it because they weren't good enough on the dirt and, you know, they, they made mistakes, but not through bad luck. So I was a lot happier about it uh, after the finish. It was fantastic. Yeah, I, I think one thing that the television didn't pick up because uh, it would, just would have been too dangerous for cameras to be in there was uh, in between the cars yesterday, I could not believe it. Like, I, we... At times, we had a visibility of five to ten meters between car to car. It, yeah. it, it was so on television. The guys up front and the guys in the front group, they could have a, they had a pretty clear run. They knew where they were going. But all the guys, once guys who had dropped and guys who had to try to come back, it, it was unbelievable. Like, I don't know how much dust those guys have got in their lungs this morning, because it, it, it was just a dust. It was a dust storm until the very end, and when we got a little bit of light rain. It actually, uh, actually, it, it lessened. But uh, in the cars yesterday, all those, all the guys trying to scramble back to the front. It, we, it was very, very. Uh, there were some sketchy moments. We, we, we had to put the hazard lights on. We had to put the uh, fog lights on. And at times, we could only see the team car in front of us when it was braking. Uh, did you go through a whole <laughs> tube of the wash of fluid stuff? What's up? What's up, mate? <laughs> Did you go through a whole container of the washer fluid? You know the stuff to get the wipers going. Does that just make it worse? Uh, oh, we did. We did have to use it quite regularly. Uh, but you should have seen the cars <laughs> when we finished. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like way worse, way worse than Rubai. Way, way worse than Rubai because it was. Uh, it had. I don't know when was the last time it rained on those sections, but um, it was a dust storm, and it was always going to be. And actually, when it started to rain near the end, I actually actually was glad because it, it would have sl it slowed things down and, and it made things a lot safer for the guys uh, in between the in between the groups. Now, yeah. So what you're actually saying there, Whitey, Actually, what you just said is that it, we're watching and think. Actually, it wasn't too bad. You know, we got out without any really bad. But you're saying now that actually they're lucky. It was pretty dangerous for the riders coming through the convoy and, and the cars in the convoy. So they might have dodged a big bullet. Yeah, I, I was very surprised at how how few crashes there was. There was a couple of crashes in with with the cars, but. Um, the guy, the, the the you know that group, that front group, they it, it wasn't so dangerous for those guys, the front group. But where the real danger was was for the guys trying to get back, and in, especially on the sex on the sectors. And we're talking these sectors, but up to 12, 13 kilometers long, and the visibility in uh, some of those those sectors was well, I've never seen anything like it in my life. I've done Rubai a few times, and Rubai does not get that dusty. Um, so. Look, uh, no, I think uh, I think one or two guys hurt themselves yesterday, but in general, there wasn't as many crashes as, as I expected. Because, but I think also because of the technicality of some of those sectors, uh, guys in general rode a little bit more conservative. Why well, to give people a bit of an insight into what effect a ride and a, and a day like that has on the rest of the group? Like when they got in on the bus, I mean, what what was the overriding mood from? And as you said, it was such a big team effort as well. Yeah, look, we've 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 been around the mark, and uh, yesterday eliminated a few favourites around us, and it just shows that Simon's in a good place. I, I think we've always known that, um, but it's just nice. And we we haven't even started we haven't even started the real Giro yet. The mm. real Giro, the real Giro for me starts on the Zonkine, so we're we're in a good place, um, and we've just we've just got to bide our time. And uh, there's a lot of good guys around us, and it's very it's very close at the moment. Bernal seems to be uh, a league above everyone at the moment, and uh, and at the moment it's, it's his it's his race to lose. 
If he... Yeah, and the Zonkalon's not far away. It's on Saturday, isn't it? So uh, uh, getting up to 1,700 metres, but it's a real mountain. I mean, it's what, 20-something K, and then the, you're at 13% for the last 5K or something like that. So Yeah, it's... A... It, it, it's... The difference this year, the, the difference this year, John, it's the reverse side to when Simon was second behind Chris Froome there. So this this side of the Zonkland is a little bit easier. Um, it hasn't been used since 2003. This side with uh, Gilberto Simone won uh, in 2003. So we've gone up the the Zonkland numerous times over the last 15 years, mm. but this side hasn't been used since 2003. So it's it's a little bit easier, um, but obviously the side that we've been using is incredibly tough. Um, but it, it's a long, sustained climb, and uh, and we'll certainly see out of those GC favourites who who's climbing well on proper, sustained climbs. The Zonkland's going to definitely have a different vibe to it as to when we went up it in 2014, Whitey. It will. It will. <laughs> uh, we've got a little bit more focus on the general classification these days, then, Dan. And... Uh, but the one thing I have noticed, and we've been talking about it since the start of the race, is it really does feel like a normal Giro here, even amongst COVID. Now, the crowds yesterday in Perugia at the start, it was the same. It was a normal Giro start, but with 25,000 people with masks on. Mm. So uh, I expect the Zonkland will be, will be massive. It's the weekend, uh, and there'll be a lot of people out and about cheering and supporting all the riders on. Surely Heppy's told a few of the boys in the bus the story about when he did the horses and all that sort of stuff. I think well, there's a few there's a few survivors from uh, from that from that era. Uh, not so many in this in this group here, but uh, maybe I, I might give uh, the guys a little bit of a reminder in the team meeting on uh, on Saturday, no? Why not, mate? Why not? Take the edge off. That was uh, part one of the chat with Matt White. Now, one of the things that stood out from that was your ability to uh, read numbers, John. Hundreds of thousands of viewers on the podcast. That puts us on par with Armstrong. You want to do me tax returns? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's getting close. We're improving all the time, mate. I'm just uh, yeah. singing our praises. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> Phil, bef- before we show uh, some of the other interview, uh, what were your thoughts on, on the Epic Stage 11? Well, it was wonderful. I didn't catch the whole stage, but I seemed to catch all the parts that mattered. Uh, I saw the look. I saw Almeida wondering where the hell Vanderpool had gone. Um, and, and Matt is right. That this tour hasn't begun yet. And yet we've seen all of the, a lot of the favourites written off the script already. Dan Martin went yesterday in effect. Um, <clears throat> but the man that came out on top of the pile in a tough stage and he's pulling this stunt every day sprinting away near the end from the from the other contenders and snatching the points and that's Egan Bernal uh, this guy is going to win this bloody tour by probably five or six or even more minutes he is looking so strong I felt sorry for Vanapool, uh, and that's because the guy is soaked in talent he is he had a terrible crash as we know he's expected far too much from his body in his first race back and he's been at it since day one when he did a great time trial. He actually believed he could win this tour, even though he may not have actually announced the fact. I think he'll be totally shocked by the fact his body says, hey, let's get into this a little bit more, more slowly. Um, he will be a great bike rider, but yesterday he learned not to, not to push the odds too strong. What do you reckon, Scooter? Yeah, wise words, wise words from Phil. Um, you could tell in his disappointment that it wasn't just a, oh, well, you know, it's been good so far. And, and in, on social media, he basically put it that way, that, um, hey, you know, look, I'm still here, I'll keep trying. Um, but you could tell in the stage, he, he was he was devastated with, with the way things went for him. Um, but, hey, incredible. You think back not that long ago, he was just training on the home trainer, you know, and, and not long before that, he was hardly able to even walk. So it's been an incredibly accelerated recovery for him. And then to start the season at the Giro and be in the top uh, couple of riders for, you know, up until yesterday, it's still an exceptional um, performance and does indicate, as Phil says, that he's going to be an absolute superstar um, of the future. And, and look, the, the stage was taken out by a, a yet another young guy, you know. So um, uh, Meryl Schmidt is only 21. So he's another of this, this young generation. And he came from, didn't come from cyclocross, but he started in cyclocross, has that sort of skill set as well, which worked well on the on the, the gravel yesterday. But it's just extraordinary. You know, Remco is still just a young guy. You know, 
Egan Bernal seems like a mature rider now at 24. Um, it's just incredible how much cycling has changed. If you, when you saw um, Remco rip the earpiece out, did it reek of like someone that was just throwing a little hissy fit? Yes, he was pissed. He was pissed off. And, and they said, oh, it was only because he was just getting too much instructions. He was saying, where is bloody Almeida, is what all you're saying. Where the F and hell is he? And uh, he was at the front. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, he had met Bramanti. Bramanti was the, the director of sportif, you know, for the Italian races, of course. And, and he... He's a big man with a big voice, and I'm sure there was a lot of desperation coming through his earpiece, you know, and, and telling him that he just needed to keep pushing hard, which Remco obviously was already pushing hard. Don't need to keep hearing it. Where's my bloody teammate? Get him back here now. Rip it out. Didn't want to hear it. Any re- it actually, actually reminded me of Cadell's earpiece in, in the uh, World Championships. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, but the, dif- the difference was Cadell. Cadell pulled that out when the gun went off. So. <laughs> hey, Phil, I want to ask you, you, you've been around the sport for such a long time. Is there a bit of a danger, particularly coming from Belgium, when they put so much pressure, so much expectation on these young riders, can it actually have a more of a detrimental effect rather than just let the kid race without, you know, piling on this pressure? Yeah, well, the Belgians are Belgians that, I lived there when I was trying to be a professional cyclist and they're great people and they do put pressure on you. I mean, I had a small fan club and they they go along to the to the commissions to watch you race, but they don't expect you to be at the back of the bunch. They expect you to be driving at the front. So while they have one uh, beer after another and they get higher and higher, uh, they expect you to be charging at the front of the race higher and higher and better and better. They do put pressure on the superstars. And, you know, I can't really fault them for that because they produce superstars, although not quite as many as some parts of the world. Eddie Merckx had to go through. And the trouble is that this kid looks to me like a young Eddie Merckx. The only other guy that's ever looked like a young Eddie Merckx sadly got killed in the car crash. Uh, he was world champion, Jean-Pierre Monterey. Uh, he, was, he had everything Eddie had too. We're going back a long time. And I, I think this is the next man to be Eddie Merckx. And I think Eddie thinks it too. Um, so, yeah, they do put the pressure on. Uh, but the lad is, he's got the mentality to be a champion. He believes he can be a champion. And, and he's, he's, pushing his, uh, he's pushing his boat out. He, he thinks he's rubber. He's come back from a terrible crash. It's his first race, the Giro, after that crash last year. Um, and he expects to be there and charging and doing it all. Um, and you can tell by his frustration when he couldn't do it. He was hurting himself as a punishment. Um, and at the end of the day, he didn't lose the Giro. He lost time, yes, and it's unlikely, highly unlikely, but he's still in the competition very much so. Have you got uh, Patricia in the background doing the dishes, mate? Yes, yes. <laughs> Hi, Trish. Hey. How are you, Trish? Uh, it's, it's breakfast here. Thank you. Muffins for coffee. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh, the muffins will be out the oven, so we're all right. Yeah, all hey, listen, though, but just say you mentioned uh, Mauro Schmidt. Uh, this lad was plucked out of the air by Dougie Ryder for the for the Quebec and Assos squad. Um, when he, he looked as though he wasn't going to be able to get a pro contract, he suddenly finds himself a, a couple of weeks call into the Giro and, and he's gone and won a stage and believed he could win the stage yesterday when he went on the attack. He thinks only positive. Uh, and this kid's another youngster we, we just discovered. And the funny thing was, now I know you mentioned about my, my little session on the safaris, which is coming up in June. Um, I had just sent Dougie a letter, an email, while the race was on, uh, just to say, hey, Dougie, I want to explain this uh, charity I'm doing, and I want you to come on as one of my guests. And as the kids su- suddenly won the sprint, so I quickly followed up with, you see the magic I have? Now you must come on to my channel. <laughs> it was uncanny, and Dougie hasn't replied yet. But knowing Dougie Ryder, how he celebrates his grand tour wins, he's probably still down. Well, let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about the uh, the event that you've got coming up. I can share the screen. Look at this technology. Oh, and I this think is this incredible. is the homepage. Have a look at that. So That is the homepage. And, yep. It's, if um, you want to go there. This is the address. Thank you. That is it. It's uh, it's Phil Liggett's Safari Peloton. We're going bushing on the bike uh, with the app at fullgaz.com, which you'll get all the information from if you 
if you log on here. We only announced it 48 hours ago, and people have sent me already 2,000 US dollars in donations. And we've got 35 riders in my peloton so far. The dates are on there. There's four days. Uh, it's $40 US to enter. And the money, all the money, goes to the charity, which is all, all about uh, Carrieca, which is a private game reserve. And because it's a private game reserve, the rhinos are roaming free here, by the way. Um, and you can see we've taken the horns off because of the poaching. Um, and uh, this is where the money goes to so anti-poaching, etc. Uh, that's me and Trish outside our property in Africa. Don't know where they got that photo from. I was quite young there, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> the, the actual uh, full guys. You're is looking good, there, Trish. The full guys app. Which you will find, yeah, the Full Gaz app, which you will find, um, is is an app which is a, not a virtual app. The range is on the on the on the fifteen thousand hectares of land that have gone out and ridden the whole area on mountain bikes. So those real pictures, and they've ridden. Um, in fact, the, the the reserve sent me just an hour ago uh, some of the clips from the film. He is actually riding alongside a giraffe, which is with him on these mountain bikes. So it's all very special. Now, what the guys do when they when they enter and the girls, they just come and uh, they come. We send them the Zoom link once they've uh, entered, registered. They come on board. They, if they've got a smart trainer, they get on the smart trainer and they literally ride, or they can watch if they don't want to ride. And uh, and all the money is going in there. Now it, it's desperate, John. The whole thing is desperate because of COVID in South Africa. There's no visitors allowed in the country. Nobody can get there. I can't get back there at all. Um, and this particular reserve relies totally on, on big paying visitors because uh, it's so expensive to run. And the local people who live in the tribal areas, communities around the area, are all employed by Kaleka as well as the animals who are protected and roam free as far as they want to go. So that's it. Um, I'm, I've got Phil's safari peloton. I've always wanted to have a big peloton around me when I'm in the bush with the lions. And, um, and we just pedal. Each ride's just over an hour long. And there's four sessions. And I've invited a few famous people, riders and vets and stuff. And they'll join me online, I hope. And I'll talk with them. And you can talk with well, them. Well, we'll commit. We'll commit now. So, so Scott and I'll ride. Uh, and uh, as you said, there's a viewing option for Dan. So uh, it sounds like, <laughs> sounds like a perfect uh, plan. You have to get a smart trainer, Dan. No, 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 no. I'll sit back with a glass of red and, and commentate. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, um, right. Phil. Um, yes. Question to you, and without notice, I'm not sure if you know the answer, but do the rhinos, does their behaviour change at all? Is it noticeable when they have their horns taken off? To avoid the poachers, it's a, it's, a it's a very good question, Scott. And the answer is basically no. We've actually, when we took horns off where I live, uh, further up in the northeast of South Africa, um, we took horns off quite a few rhinos, about ninety of them at the time. And by the way, for a year now, we've never had a rhino poach, so it's working. Um, but the um, uh, another rhino roamed onto the patch. I think he came across from the Mozambique direction through the Kruger. And he came onto the patch where the dehorn rhino was and took him on in a fight. And the horn rhino lost the fight. So we were afraid that the horn being taken oh, off really? would, would cause an inferior situation yeah, with, with the dehorned rhinos. But um, it's, it's, it's worked out and it's absolutely fine. And so the answer is no. We're very, very happy about that because that was the big concern. You're absolutely right. That was the big worry. We've got, yeah. a, got a couple of uh, fan questions and comments coming in. Obviously, Wendy, superfan. Hi, uh, Dan, John, and Matt. And uh, obviously, hi, Scott and Phil. Uh, this shows that they don't miss a trick, Phil. Ian Thomas says, hey, Phil, what's happened to your Giro pink light fitting that we saw last week? <laughs> oh, all right. Then let me go into the room. I'm in a different room, that's all. Ah! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on now. Well, where is it? Ah, it's very oh, there, it is. there you go. <laughs> How good is this for interaction with people online? And obviously, we've had some more comments. Hudson Valley says, beautiful giraffes. And then, uh, can we have a link to Phil's ride, please? I'll be joining Dan on the couch. So we brought up the oh. website before. To get involved, K-A-R-I-E-G-A dot co dot Z-A forward slash Peloton. 
So jump on there. Yeah. You've got all the information. Cheryl Mariner, I want you on the bike. That's no on the couch. Come on, you're a bikey chick. You've got to be on the bike, Cheryl. Yeah. Well, Phil, we won't hold you up too much longer, mate. You better get into that uh, beautiful breakfast. And uh, well, I think I'll, it's about time. I'll tell you what You've I'm doing been... now. As soon as I hang up from you guys, I'm going to talk about a ride I'm doing with Jens Voigt on the app, Full Gas, in New Zealand this coming Saturday. He'll kill oh, me. Yeah. It's it's a 90-minute ride on the smart trainer, and we're going around Lake Toto. It's all on trip. Oh, good stuff, mate. <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, we encourage everyone to obviously get behind. Uh, it's a great cause, and, uh, yeah, we, we're looking forward to seeing how it all comes together, mate. As we, The the live update, US raised $1,960, and your target's 35000 So, You are I'm sure so good. As, How do you get all this information? Yeah, You're incredible, Dan. Looking at your website, and as John said, we've got hundreds of thousands of viewers on this podcast. We, we'll get to thirty-five grand. No worries, mate. Let me no just worries. quickly tell you one. We can't hear a thing with Trish. She's doing the washing up now. But, um, <laughs> just tell you one quick story. Tell me one quick story. There's also a, a free draw when you register, by the way, which could you see you. You have to put in one hundred and fifty dollars, and you go into a list. And um, if we reach our target, there's a it's a holiday for four people at Korea Game Reserve for this three nights, four nights. Is a luxury there. If you had to go for staying the night there as a normal punter with no no gimmicks like we're doing, it would cost you three thousand US per person per night to stay there. Wow. So it's a special place. But all of the money goes to the Kareka Foundation. It's just making people enjoy the animals there. And the, the one animal that is there is called Tandy. And she, I'm hoping we'll see her on the rise because she roams free. She knows the humans very well because one particular human, whom I will be interviewing on the app, uh, is Dr. Will Fold, the vet. He saved her life. She was found with her face hacked off, literally half her face hacked off to get the horn out, but she didn't die. And he, wow. he reshaped her face and brought her back to life. And she's now had... Three cars, well, four cars, so she's now telling me. She's had four cars and since, and she's a grandmother now because one of those cars. <laughs> oh, there we are. It, That's it's fantastic. Just, Sensational. I, I just thank anybody that takes part very much. Well, yeah. as we said, mate, get behind the uh, the cause, and uh, we're looking forward to it being a huge success, mate. You're doing a great job, you both you and Patricia, that. mate. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. No, no worries. Was, all right, Trish. Great to speak to you, darling. And you're doing a great job as well, Patricia, making Phil's breakfast. Tell him to get off his ass tomorrow. I know, uh, don't worry. He's got yes, to ride well, with I, for an hour. I'm about to eat it now. I got up very early, and for two hours, I've been nothing but be on the computer. So, and now the WhatsApp's calling. This is actually right, correct. Right. Calling me to talk to them about the rhino rights. Okay. Well, we better Guys, let you go, Phil. You're a great man. Really appreciate it. Again, before it closes, because this is turning out to be a sensational race. So enjoy it. Yeah, well, we're on board. We're on board. We're joining. Yeah. Right. Don't Good forget on, now. Fresh I'm going to see you soon. All the best. Guys. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, mate. See ya. Bye. Voice of Cycling, Phil Liggett. Guys, uh, before we get into unpacking yesterday even more and, and the other two uh, parts of Matt White's interview, let's have a quick word from our great mates at Bike Exchange. Look at this bike. You think it's just a bike, right? But it's not. <clears throat> it's a bike. 374 people are looking at. This guy, this girl, them, all looking at it. People from here, there, and wherever this is. People that are looking for a bike. Or just a piece of it. Amateurs. Semi-amateurs. And pro-amateurs. This guy wants this bike, but with this crank. And these bars. This could be the perfect match. But not this one. This girl has a bike to sell. And thousands of people might purchase it. Eyes on bikes help grow small businesses. His, hers, yours. And the latest data and insights help those businesses keep moving. We are the world's number one bike marketplace with over 500,000 products and 900 brands where buyers and sellers are brought together in a place where a bike is never just a bike. 
bike exchange where the world buys, sells, learns and rides. Thanks again to our great mates at Bike Exchange and, and the money's coming in, boys. Ian Thomas, I'll donate to Phil's event just for him being a good sport and showing he didn't smash the lights. <laughs> good on you, Ian. Uh, now, we might as well go to part two of Matt White's interview and then we can unpack uh, some more insights from uh, yesterday's epic stage. But just just on the stage, you obviously had um, some tactics that you, know, you didn't want to disclose. How much did it pan out to what you were sort of planning for yesterday? Yeah, we, well, a lot of it as planned. I, I think we all knew that the first sector was going to be crucial because, as expected, everyone in the bunch arrived at the first sector together besides the, the, the riders in the breakaway. And so it was a mad fight to get into that into that sector. Uh, so that was expected. I, I knew that either Quickstep or Ineos or someone like that were going to push that sector. It turned out to be Ineos. Um, and it put, turned out to be Ineos because it looked like Evan Poole probably a little bit nervous uh, on on the dirt there, which is normal. You know, he's come he's come back from his first race in nine months after breaking his leg. So of course, and the kid kid hasn't raced before he came here. So of course, he's not going to be feeling as confident on on gravel as someone who's had a normal sort of a season. Then the second and third section, I, I really knew that having set, checked them out a couple of times, that they would be very selective, and that that the big guys wouldn't get through those sections. And then it turned out to be. Uh, you know, who had the best legs in those final sections, and 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 a lot of guys did implode because maybe they wasted too much energy going into those sections, maybe they didn't have a team around them. Who knows? But for us, it it went pretty much to plan. And what are your thoughts for stage number twelve, mate? Big break from the start. Ineos will want a break to go. It's very, very fast and flowing all the way to Florence. And then once we get out of Florence, which is the sort of middle of, well, just before the middle of the stage, we've used those roads many times before. Um, the, it's basically, there's not many, not many major roads through the middle of Italy there to, to the finish. And they're, they're long climbs, they're steady climbs. And I expect a big, a big break to go in the first 50, 50 kilometers today. And, uh, Ineos to let it go to the line. So I think it's a, there'll be a lot of teams that will sort of want to be in the break today and uh, that first hour of racing will be pretty frantic. Um, I wasn't quite ready to give up on yesterday's stage. I'll go back in a second. But while we've got that up, that last climb, uh, uh, Whitey, uh, just ha- it got, looks like a pretty steep section. How, how tough is that? Because it's not far, to, it's all downhill to the finish from that. Yeah, look, it, that, that profile doesn't really do it justice. It, it has some very steep ramps, but it, it's not a sustained climb. It, it goes up steep, then levels off, up steep, then levels off. And then it's a very technical descent up until four kilometres to go. And then after the last four kilometres, is pretty straightforward. But I would expect there'll be two races today, one uh, one for the stage win. And then, uh, as always, when you've got a GC ride, you need to stay focused till, till the line. So just, I just wanted to touch back to uh, yesterday's day because it was something we're going to talk about for a long time. I thought it was just a, you know, a ripper of a day from from the armchair, <laughs> not sitting in the team car. But uh, I, I was surprised with Evenepoel that uh, just how badly he, he was descending on the dirt. I mean, he was just losing the wheel. The minute the road started going downhill, he was just dropping off the wheel and trying to come back. And in the end... He, he just blew up. It wasn't really the dirt. He just uh, he, he blew. So I can't see him, uh, you know, really figuring the top ten as this race gets into. We're not into the real mountains. Which we haven't even got to yet. Oh, I'm certainly not writing him off. I think he's a he's a once in a generation talent, and uh, until he's totally out of the picture, um, I certainly won't be uh, giving. We won't certainly won't be giving him any chance to get back into the race. John, have you not learned anything from the Giro? <laughs> I've written him off. Surprises. I've no, written him last off. week. He's gone. No, no. I was his biggest. Yeah, uh, I was, no, I watched right. him yesterday. He's not coming back from that. Sorry, 21. Um, Sacconi, I, I was surprised to see him crack uh, uh, towards the end. He'd been going so well. Um, matter of fact, he was the one who was best uh, sort of covering the moves uh, of Bernal up until yesterday, but he just uh, cracked. And his teammate was riding for I couldn't believe Nibali was doing so much for him. Very unusual. Oh, I think, uh, well, I think we all know Vincenzo had a, a very different preparation for the Giro, breaking his hand yeah. uh, a month ago. 
uh, and uh, and Ciccone is a guy. He's he's shown some really good condition here, and uh, look, he might have he might have lost a little bit of time in the finish, but uh, he's uh, he's certainly been on the up and up, and uh, he's a, he's a class rider, and uh, probably Italian Italy's next generation GC leader. And Dan Martin, uh, you wrote him off. You said he wouldn't handle the dirt. Or maybe I said that. No, you uh, said no that. that was definitely you, John. <laughs> I would never say anything negative about any writers. Especially, Must have been especially me, ones but who I've worked with in the past. He lived up, he lived up to uh, all my expectations, which is a shame because I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Dan, but he, he doesn't handle that sort of rage very well. But I was very impressed with uh, uh, Bookman. Uh, that move of his, uh, you know, in the final part of the climb was a really strong move. Um, but, gee, when, when Bernal put the hammer down right up to him, he looked very impressive. Yeah, the Bookman's a class act. People might forget he was fourth in the Tour de France two years ago. So <laughs> yeah. he's no he's uh, he's no stranger to the pointy end of general classification rights. So I'm, I'm not surprised with his ride. I think he's, he's a class act. He's, uh, he's Bora's sole leader here. And, uh, yeah, well, I think we're going to see more of him when we get into the high mountains next week. I thought Sagan was their sole leader, mate. So there you go. That's how much I love you, know. <laughs> well, that, that, that's on the flat stages. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and now I see a strong rumour. Uh, it's getting more and more uh, uh, heat that uh, Sagan could end up in the Wolf Pack next year. Yeah, I w- nothing would surprise me. Uh, nothing would surprise me. Um, yeah, I think it, it could be positive. Who knows? Who knows? But I think people are joining the dots there because of Specialised and his, his relationship with, uh, with Specialised. And, and there's yeah. only two teams who are riding Specialised bikes, and one of them is uh, one of them is the Wolf Pack. So. Yeah, whatever happens in the market happens. It certainly has got nothing to do with us. But uh, I think there's, from by all accounts, there's a fair bit of rider movement that's, uh, that's going on behind the scenes. And we're going to see a few uh, few riders and uh, changing teams for, 20, for next season. Well, that's too... like, almost like a swap over with Mar- Martin uh, going over to Bora uh, and him going, it's almost like a clean swap. Yeah, well, the thing is, all it is is rumours until August because none of the teams can confirm it. So uh, we love a rumour, you know, mate. We love a rumour. <laughs> but you know, where, where there's smoke, there's usually fire. But uh, I, I have no idea the final the final movements are, sort of guys, mate. John, you've got to stop cutting me off. I, I, I watch that back and I cringe. <laughs> it's great. I'm actually getting. I'm actually maybe even in front of this episode. Uh, Scotty, have you noticed, with John? You've got to be like the finger just doesn't work anymore. When you want to ask a question or do whatever, you've got to be so sharp. You've almost got to cut the person's answer off just to get the next question in. It's 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 almost like coming to the final of any race and it's only like a hundred meters from the last corner to the finish line. You have to be into that last corner first. And John's yeah. desperate to get there before you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and if you don't, you'll bloody miss out if you don't. Hey, yeah. uh, we, we, we encourage everyone to ask questions, get involved online. Uh, we'll read a lot of these uh, comments out. Uh, Clinton uh, Donkin says, loving the pod from Dublin. And, yeah, she's pissing down. Where can we get the cooker print behind Scooter? Ah, um. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. That's that's Sandy's. I actually just grabbed that off the wall outside. I've got to take it. I haven't been putting it back every day, so we've got a bare we, wall outside here. But um, I need to put that back up again. So I'll ask Sandy where that came from. You're gonna to have to uh, yeah find out because she's starting to go viral. Uh, Carolyn oh, Harbeck, yeah. Carolyn says, Matt, we obviously pre-recorded that. Do you think gravel road sections will be in the Giro from now on? Uh, every now and then, what do you reckon, Ify? Look, I think it'll be an every now and again, like the like uh, Tour de France do with uh, uh, with the Robay section. They probably, you know, every couple of years uh, they bring it back if it's in that region and, uh, and whatever. I think that's what they'll do. I mean, they've done it a few times, but this one was a bit more than they've done in the past you know, with, with the Strada Bianca roads. You know, they've done them a couple of times, like when Cadell won and and another time since. So I think this is the fourth time they've done it in the last 10 years. So I, I, I think it'll be something like that. Um, and also we've solved the uh, mystery with the cooker print. Uh, you get it at Kmart, Lee Barry. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I won't ask Andy. 
Now it was an interesting. It was interesting the insights from Whitey, the fact that um, you know you look at it on paper and the riders got through relatively unscathed with that stage, but it's it's the danger that it causes behind the race. You know, if you've got visibility of you know five feet or whatever with the dust, I mean, you know they they really did, as you said, dodged a, a bit of a bullet. They reckon scooter. Yeah, and look, the more you do it, so if they were to say, okay, let's do gravel like that every year then there will be a major incident and, you know, and a, a really nasty accident and, you know, who knows what, what how bad it could be. But the odds are, you know, if you're in that dangerous situation um, and, you know, the, uh, us that have been in races know the intricacies of the convoy and all those sorts of things. But if you've got someone like Matt White who does it for a living, been doing it for a long time, talking about the dangers and how it was a sigh of relief to get through it because no one was that seriously hurt, then, yeah, eventually there would be a serious issue, I think, if you were to do it too often. So you've got to put that into, you know, you can't just say, oh, hey, look, you know, no one died, so let's just do it again. So, well, okay, you've got to make sure you um, minimise the risks going forward in anything, whether it's putting barriers up or whatever it may be. And, um, yeah, I, th I think it's something for, like you said, John, in, in Tour de France, you know, throw the cobbles in every now and then um, because it also then changes the investment possibilities I think as well because if if there are every second year someone crashes out because and they're up on the on the GC, um, you know then you've got sponsors that you've got to you know go back to and say oh well hey look he was great he should have won the race overall but because of this bloody gravel they keep putting in we can't get through it so um, I think there's that factor as well but you know as a fan it's, it's always great but I think perhaps too dangerous to do too often. Well, Wendy, Superfan asks a good question. Would it be better if the dirt roads were sprayed with water prior to the riders coming through? Iffy? Not bad, not bad. I mean, it's interesting that Whitey said that, that little bit of that drizzle that they got near the end made a huge difference. Um, look, if it's really – remember that when it was uh, muddy, uh, when, when Cadell won, most of the riders hated it, so you probably wouldn't get a lot of uh, fans from, uh, from from the riders if you started watering the road. Uh, and here's a good one, Scooter on LinkedIn. Patrick Veras says, "What does Almeida do? Ride for himself or keep supporting Evanpole?" Well, he's paid to keep supporting Evanpole, so that's that's what he should be doing. But I think you know that was the problem that we had yesterday that he was you know he sees that he's out of the team at the end of the year, so look after himself a little bit, not so focused on, on his teammate. Um, and look, he, you know, he, he's also, look, Evan Nepal himself, if everything just stayed as it is now, we've still got all, of course, the big mountains to come, but if he was still, he's only two minutes, 22 down, I think it is. So if he was to stay in that position coming into the final time trial, he's finishing on the podium. You know, that's how good mm. the time trialer is. So, you know, mm. okay, lots of big mountains still to come. Um, and he did cook himself up. You were right, I think, John, and, in that uh, it wasn't that he was, you know, in that front group and just got dropped. You know, he was he was riding so much harder than everybody in that front group because he just wasn't great on the dirt. So tactically not as good, wasted a lot of energy and cooked himself up. Um, so Almeida, their, their best chance is still to, to look after Remco um, and when they get onto normal roads and normal climbs, then see how he's feeling. So um, we'll see what the discussions, if any of it comes out. But um yeah, momentary lapse of reason, perhaps, from Joel. And, uh, yeah, he'll pull his head in and remember that he's getting paid lots of money. Exactly but right. It... Look, Almeida, Almeida will not. Sorry, got you again, mate. Almeida, yeah, is out of the GC. He's a lot further back uh, than Avenipol. So he's got no uh, chance. So until Avenipol um, is completely out of the GC, yeah, Almeida has to ride for him. Then he can go for stages. He won't be going for, for anything else. But, um, yeah, look, we know how good a time trailer he is, but for me uh, it's just a matter of time. But come, come Saturday up uh, Zonkalong, it'll be uh, zoom at the back. Well, and to, to his defence, all right, put, he, put yourself in his situation. He wouldn't have expected Evan Pohl to get dropped. And there's so much noise and he's at the front and he's, yeah, okay, he's riding in front of Evan Pohl, but he wouldn't have expected him to get dropped. Like you still would have thought, all right, he's sitting on your wheel. As Whitey said, when you're riding, when you're doing, protecting someone, you actually don't ride in front of them. Whitey put it much more uh, politically correct than that. What was he doing in front of him? What was what Whitey was well, you meant to ride? Aren't you meant to get him out of the wind? No, no, no. Sitting in a bunch, you sit behind him and you look after him. You don't uh, not know where he is. That's a different thing if you're at the front. But they were just sitting 
you know, they, they were 10 riders apart. If you're not riding mm. next to him or just in front of him, you don't know what's going on. He knew. Come on. Yeah. You, do, yeah. you just have a look back. You know when the rider's gone and it, their radios were working. All right, so let's not mince words. It's a dog act. Yeah, well, he... Yeah. <laughs> probably, yeah, probably. Yeah. Hey, but, but, but how good was... So Vlasov was really good. He's only 45 seconds down on... on yeah. Bernal, obviously, standout rider, okay? Every time it looked hard, he was going for it. He was amazing. Um, Gap Vlasov at the end as well. But it's still only 45 seconds. So after all that hard work, the gap is still pretty small. Um, Bookman, you know, in the big mountains... You'd expect him to do well, especially after you know being fourth in the Tour de France. So he's proven that he can do that before. He's a bit of older, one of the older guys of the group. He's 28. Um, so you would also think that he might be still pretty good in that that third week as well, proven um, performer. So he's had a good one. So there's another rider that we kind of had, weren't talking about, and all of a sudden he's back in the mix. And it's going to be interesting on the first big mountains to see how Yatesy goes. Yatesy was a big winner, I think, yesterday as well. Like he lost 20 something seconds, only not much. Of such a difficult, challenging day that he was nervous about. Um, it was what 26 seconds down, so he didn't lose that much. He's still right in the mix, he's only a minute 22 down, still with so many big mountains still to come. I don't think he's going to match Bernal, but there's definitely a podium possibility there for, for Simon. Well, anything can happen in the Giro, particularly you know, someone could get gastro. Here's the last part of Matt White's interview. John, that's two quick step questions. Now, Whitey, can you just do your debriefs with Bramardi and, and just say, listen, mate, I'm, I'm also doing stuff for the detour every day and, and they're just obsessed with quick step. So as much info you can bring back on other teams would be very <laughs> beneficial, mate. Sure. I'll just get into, I'll just get into um, Ed Rockney, their race, uh, their, exactly. their, their race plan in the mornings while we're in the bus area. Yeah, yep. exactly. And, uh, last uh, question, mate. Uh, what was the menu like last night? It was good. It was good. We had a few teams staying at this hotel. Um, the only negative yesterday, we didn't, we didn't end up eating dinner till 11 o'clock. Oh, so no. Was, yeah, yeah. But so I haven't even had breakfast because I'm still full. Yeah. I'm still full. <laughs> so dinner wasn't that long ago. So, uh, no, it was good. It was uh, it was always a good feed. And, uh, but it was just a little bit late last night. We had a late, late arrival. The mechanics were out working till 10 o'clock at night. And uh, so we didn't. We, we were supposed to have dinner at ten, but uh, due to the five teams staying at the hotel, it didn't really eventuate till close to eleven. And and before we, we go on food as well, what's your take on seafood pizzas? Do you generally steer clear, or I think you've got to weigh up the circumstances there, Dan. <laughs> I think uh, depending on where you are, if you know the pizza establishment, and yeah. uh, you've got to be close to the beach too, don't you? Well, there's that theory that if the further you are away from the beach, the, the highly likely it's the, the fish is uh, frozen, and that uh, <laughs> and that it has because it has to be because it's getting moved so far. But uh, I'd stay away from the seafood pizzas while I'm on a race anyway. I know I have a um, pretty good gut there to uh, uh, don't get sick too often, but uh, mitigating risks also involves staying away from seafood pizzas. Yeah. And and and, and, and when and I'll take it on board. And when they're a day old, even more so. And it's more a uh, chance of not being close to the beach, close close to the bowl. <laughs> That's how it was for me. Anyway. Yeah, a day old. What a, what a great way, great way to finish the interview, mate. We, uh, really <laughs> just, one, one last important well, question. On. One last hang important on. question. Quick step. Knowing the region where you were, there must have been a lovely uh, um, a little sip of red last night, mate. Uh, in Italy, in general, there's always a good house wine. Uh, that's uh, that's why we love the place. <laughs> Foot stomp by the family out the back. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, oh, a, good. It, was, it was a good night. There's a few uh, a few relieved people across many teams last night, just because a lot of effort has gone in uh, from every, a lot of people to get their leaders ready where they are and to get through that stage stage unscathed is uh, was a good outcome for many many teams. Well, as you said, mate, the race is just heating up, so plenty of stages to go. So wish you all the best today, and we'll check in again tomorrow. Yeah, thanks, guys. Off to the bus, otherwise they'll leave without me. Thanks, Whitey. No, they won't do that. They won't do that. (laughs) Good on you, mate. Speak soon. See you, guys. Have a good day. See ya. Uh, Whitey said at the very end there that they left without me one time. That happened at the Vuelta when I misread the WhatsApp message, and I walked out. 
and it was like tumbleweeds, like buses, cars, they're all gone. <laughs> and I remember absolutely shooting myself and ringing Steve-O going, Steve-O, what, what's going on? He goes, ah, yeah, oh, Dan, where are you? You're not on the bus. I said, yeah, no shit, I'm at the hotel. He goes, mate, we're half an hour down the road. Like, you're gone. It was like an hour and a half to the start. I just got into the, like, race doctor's car. He was packing his bags. I said, mate, you got to help me out. I don't think I say. He said, oh, just jump in the back. Mate, this guy was doing 180 on the freeway. We caught the bus in, you know, 20 minutes. And then the bus driver's driving along and I'm hanging out the doctor's car and gave the, the team bus the thumbs up. And the guys are like, what the hell's going on? What's he doing in the back of the doctor's car? So I dodged, dodged a bullet that day. But uh it, it, when Whitey was talking about the food um, scooter, it reminded me of when we went to the Giro in 2009 and I think we ordered the, the bolognese one night and uh, it just said ingredients was meat and uh, horse is a delicacy in some parts of Italy up there. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's something that we Aussies don't typically choose to eat. Um, you know, like I say, if you go to some countries in Asia, you know, there's another type of meat that's often on the menu and... Belgium and, and the Netherlands as well. They're pretty big with their, their horse. But yeah, Cavallo. In, in she said nay. She said nay. Nay to the, nay to the horse bolognese, thank you. But, um, yeah, um, yeah, far lap was a bit chewy, but, you know, still got through it. Now, is there anything else you want to unpack from the Giro? Can we move on to the Australian Olympic team selection? Um, hey, watch it. Look, the, the, Whitey didn't go into too much detail about the final climb tomorrow because these are the first these are pretty long you've got an 8k climb 17k climb 15k um they're capped um twos but these are some decent length after a pretty gnarly day yesterday and then that final hill it's only a cat three but the middle section about 4k of it average is 9.5 percent and there is a, a pinch at 14 percent so i think he's right that it'll be a breakaway fighting for it but that's steep enough, you know, ten percent gradient for several kilometres. That's steep enough to to um, nudge it if you know someone wants to have a real crack in the GC Whitey, towards I, the end. So, I agree yeah. with this, Scotty. I, I, I was saying that to Whitey. I, I reckon uh, this will change a, another little change to the uh, GC. Anyone who's a little bit tender mm. at the back, yeah. like Ciccone yesterday. Boop. Someone like um, Mark Soler, who lost, was a big loser from yesterday. There was a moment where he looked really good, you know, on, on one of the climbs towards the end and then just blew. So, you know, maybe there's someone like that, that that really wants to try and, you know, test himself if he's feeling good. It's tricky descent as well, the first couple of – and it's only 11 kilometres from the very top. It's, you know, pretty windy. So, um, regardless, I think your GC guys are going to want to be in the front for the descent because it's a bit tricky. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But, um it, you know, it's like the Giro. Hey, it throws up surprises all the time, doesn't it? So, and look out for uh, Jeff Wild Bouchard. I have got something here. I, just, break for sure. I, fa- I found this uh, when I was going through some stuff yesterday, and it's actually a uh, Graham Watson original. Oh, oh nice, Cadell. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Very nice. Two thousand two. Uh, yeah, two thousand and whatever. His first. Yeah. Uh, 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 Giro, and that's a, an original which I've promised to Cadell. So. Uh, He's uh, when he gets back, uh, hopefully next year, early next year, uh, I'll, I'll give that to him. But yeah, prom- prom- promise Goodell is the highest bidder on eBay. I can tell you a story <laughs> about that, that year because that was the one where so he went into the jersey, um, and then the next day, uh, was it the next? No, so no, he went into the jersey and then on the, the penultimate mountain stage, he, he lost like 15 minutes or something like that 14, 15 minutes and went way down off GC. Um, and, you know, that was just, you know, body management, didn't understand the long tours, the grand tours, his first grand tour, that kind of stuff. But because um, uh, I was in the team, I wasn't at the Giro, obviously I didn't ride the big ones with him, but um, I was in Mappé that year. And, and Andrea Noe, who was like the experienced rider from Mappé, he was telling me that, um, you know, Cadell obviously then he, he learnt what to do as a professional road rider, but he said that year what he was doing was Mappé would go to the front and start riding tempo on the climbs and Cadell would sit like in 30th wheel. So Noah would go back, grab Cadell and say, mate, come to the front. Then after the stage, explain that if if there's a split, if we if there's a split in the peloton and we've caused it and you're behind it, how stupid are we? So, you know, just mm-hmm. if we're going to be riding on the front, you need to come up and sit with us. Um, and then mate, if you look at everyone knows you can't ride in front of the riders. You've got to be <laughs> to the side or behind. 
It's common no, knowledge. No, exactly. no, exactly. no, 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 turn things around from what the facts are, Dan. <laughs> but then, you know, yeah. whatever. But going back, but so you're right. But, so but what cost him? So what cost uh, Cadell that? Uh, that tour, he'd been riding uh, as a domestic really hard for uh, it was Simone, wasn't it? And no, uh, Gazelli, Gazelli, uh, sorry, Gazelli. And then, um, yeah, he got kicked off the race. So, um, and all that wasted effort. I mean, if if he'd spent days and days riding on the front for Gazelli and then got himself in a pink without that, he probably could have gone very close to, to, to winning that Giro. Hmm. Oh, if he'd managed, he'd, yeah, I think he, he certainly could have won it. You know, he got himself in the lead. He was in the mountains. So he certainly, had, as we know later on, had the capabilities. It was just, you know, just knowing his body management, yeah, too much yeah. work beforehand, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah. hey, Teo Gagenhart won the Jura last year after his team leader um, crashed out of the race. So, yeah, it happens. We're, we're getting some more good comments online. Ben uh, Jensen has rolled up. Hey, guys, just arrived. What did I miss? Any internet issues? And then Ian Todd has come back with. Nothing's happened, Ben. <laughs> and then Wombat Breath has said, Scooter's rocking a cool chef vibe tonight. All he needs is a little check skull cap. <laughs> I'll try and get one. Ah, oh, the fans, mate. Oh, yeah. Hey, um, Ineos, before we move on, um, yep. Ineos have done it again, haven't they? So Bernal doing what he does, right? Then you've got Peacock, new sensation, okay? Ethan Hater is the next one, 22-year-old. Mm-hmm. Won the stage at Ruta del Sol yesterday, so Andalusia, and is now leading the overall classification. Should have won the Algarve um, tour uh, the like a week and a half, two weeks ago. Remember that's when Brett Lancaster was on. He was talking about how yep, he was yep. in the, the lead and crashed in the time trial. If he hadn't crashed, he, he would have won that tour, ended up finishing second overall, I think. Um, now, he's the guy that I posted on Facebook a few weeks back um, reminiscing about the Commonwealth Games when Sam Wellsford won the scratch race in 2018 uh, at the Anamese Velodrome and um, the 2018 Com Games. And Sam won it, amazing comeback, you know, gap, you closed the gap down on the last, you know, lap and a half. It was a fantastic finale. But it was Ethan Hayter riding for England on the track that was off the front. And, um, and they, like, took Cameron Meyer and then Sam Wellsford to bring him back. And he spent almost 10 laps, I think, the final 10 laps of the Commonwealth Games scratch race and almost held on for the win. That's how strong he was. Very impressive. And he's part of Team GB for the uh, the Olympic Games in the team pursuit this year. So Ethan Hayter, once his track commitments are done, he is showing that he is the next big, well, another one of the big stars to come out of the UK. Freaks. Different world. All right. All right. Well, let, Olympics. Let's, Olympics. Let's look, Aussies, we're going to go through the road team. Uh, we've got... Tiffany Cromwell there for the women's road race. Jack Haig, men's road race. Richie Port for the men's road race. Um, not sure about Jack's facial expression there. He looks like, you know, on Crime Stoppers when they go looking for this guy. <laughs> got a bit of a stunt mullet look. Um, then we go across. We've got Cam Meyer, uh, Grace Brown, who's going to do the women's time trial and the road race. Sarah Gigante, women's time trial and the road race. And then we've also got Rowan Dennis, who's obviously going to do the men's time trial. Amanda Spratt for the women's road race. Uh, and then Alexandra Manley. So she's women's endurance. So that's track. So I've pinched these off Twitter. So you've yeah. got the yeah, track so team. What that is, yeah, so that's what that is, Dan, is because all these trackies, these ones on screen now, except on the far left is Alex Manley. She hadn't been named until today. So she was oh, named okay. because the road riders and Alex, because Alex is actually the addition to the team after Amy Cure uh, withdrew after the postponement last year and she retired from the sport. So all the road riders were named today and also Alex as the extra person that's been put in to take Amy Cure's spot. Um, and yep. all the other trackies have been already named. Yep. Um, Ify, any surprise selections or pretty straightforward? Um, so the, the road team. So who is the men's road team again? Give me the, the whole... Who have I missed? So I didn't got, see Michael Matthews in there. No, he's not. So uh, your men's road team, guys, is Richie Port, Jack Hay, Rowan Dennis, and Cameron Meyer. Oh, okay. Because uh, didn't it, it didn't say Rowan? Uh, it just said time trial for Rowan, but he is he's, he's riding the road race. Well, that's to be determined. It comes down how many to can ride? Happen. How many can ride? Um, I think uh, it could be the problem. It could be only. I might only be three. Three or four. I'm not, I, I actually don't know whether I can. Aren't you a selector? Aren't you a selector? No. 
No, no, not for the road. Oh, I'm not. Okay. No. You're just a track. You always wear a tracky. Yeah. So um, <laughs> starting to sound like Neil Mitchell, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> the um, no, but what the the situation here is that we've got Cam Meyer, Aussie Road Champion, but we also have the Madison on the track, and he's a multiple world champion in that particular discipline. So, and also team pursuit, depending on how things work. So they've, you've only got a certain number of riders allocated, slots allocated for the track versus the road. And if you can slip someone like Cameron Meyer into the road team, then you can bring them across onto the, the track uh, if need that, be. I'd like yeah. to know what the numbers, uh, how many can, can ride from Australia. I think we might be four. Because I'll tell you what, it'd be hard to leave Rowan Dennis out of that road uh, squad. Not only we know how super strong he can be, he can win the damn thing. So... Uh, I wouldn't be leaving him out of the road race. Mm, yeah, yeah, and I don't know. I haven't been involved with any of that, so I'm, I'm not really sure. Even even just the quotas for when it comes to the road, I don't know really any of that. But um, <clears throat> you know, and look, Rowan, I know that Rowan will be going there fully focused on the time trial. That is what his whole you know year is about this year. Um, so whether he feels that he's got the legs to then also do the road race, can he help out a little bit? Who knows? It's pretty hilly. Um, Richie hasn't been hasn't has never proven himself as a one day road rider. Um, you know, in any one-day event, um, yet he is our best climber. So you've got to give him a shot, and hopefully this is the one that he can prove himself to, to really be up there and be a contender. Yep. Well, it's going to be interesting. Any surprises with the track? It would be all pretty straightforward with all the lead-up, particularly the, the one-year delay. Yeah, well, that's been the challenge for all of the countries is to manage the mental health and the focus of all these riders. So all the ones on screen there, that's they're all part of the track endurance team. None of the sprinters... Um, uh, oh, one of the sprinters in there, Matty Richardson. But, um, yeah, most of the, the track team pursuit guys and, and girls, Nettie Edmondson in the front here, down in the middle, down the bottom, the blonde, that's Maeve Plouffe, who's one of the young riders that has only just really come in in these last couple of years, and she's an absolute sensation. Um, the rest have been around for a few years, Georgia Baker, Ashley Ann Kudinoff, and also Alex uh, Manley. But um, Maeve Plouffe has got an incredible amount of horsepower, and she forced her way into the team, basically. Um, towards the end of last year. She is so strong and someone that's going to be great in, in the team pursuit. Luke Platt amongst that group as well. So remember Luke Platt, who uh, after these games, rumoured to be heading somewhere else to race on the road next year in Europe. So uh, that'll be interesting to see uh, how that all plays out for him as well. He's only 20, the youngest in the team. Is this Lee Howard's first Olympics? No, no. He was in London 2012 um, okay. as well, yeah. Yeah. Stopping. I actually uh, have been texting back and forth with uh, Luke over the last few days, and he tells me that uh, their training is going really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're doing so- really well. Hey, they did some trials, guys. Uh, you know, like it's not common knowledge, but um, they try to keep it all pretty secret. Uh, they've, they've done a couple of trials, and and also uh, teams yeah, we've got two hundred thousand people listening to this, mate. You got to be careful yeah, what you say. Several hundred. Yeah, no, they did some trials. <laughs> And the times they did in the trials gave them an enormous amount of confidence because, remember, the, the World Championships last year, they didn't ride um, to what they would have hoped to, but they were trying to train through the Worlds to get to the Olympics. But still, it was a bit of a kick in the butt for them. And the times that they've done in these uh, these couple of trials that they did have been exceptionally fast. So that's given them a lot of confidence. And, and I know our group has really come together and bonded incredibly well um, and they've taken a lot of motivation, both the guys and the girls, all the way through to this point. So, you know, things are looking pretty good. Fantastic. Uh, a couple more comments before we go. Uh, NCPC Prez One says, Well, I didn't see Michael Matthews in there. Dot, dot, dot. Nothing wrong with your eyesight, iffy. <laughs> and Cheryl says, SBS says four for each road race for the Olympics. So, sensational. Yeah, so, Ron, Ron will ride. And I think Cam will be there to do what he can but more so there to do what he can on the boards, which is what he's so good good at. Mm. Yep. All right, before we go, what was your predictions for Stage 12? Who's going to win? Because if it's breakaway, you can just – it's a chook, chook lotto. Yeah, yeah. Um, gee, I tell you, look, he might have hurt himself yesterday, but Betiol, Betiol from EF, if he gets himself in a break, if they let him, he's he was really good yesterday. Um, and he is hunting for for one. Um, what about what about Taco? He could go again if he. 
Well, he was he was in there yesterday. Mm. Old Taco, he, he, he was uh, having another bash. But uh, <laughs> we love a Taco, look, don't we? Yeah, we <laughs> I, we I'm going to give I'll fun. give old Tom, Tommy the Gent. I'll, I'll give him uh, uh, another bash, even though it's probably a tad uh, too mountainous for him. I know he, yeah, he, he'll uh, uh, get in that break and uh, go for it. I'm going for George Bennett. He, he, he might be a good one. He's going to be. He fired was good up yesterday. He, he, yeah. spent, uh, he, he, he spent a fair bit of bickies though. Uh, whether he can come back from that, mm. Mm. showed some good character though, didn't it? That's good on him to, yeah. to have a real crack. Like it didn't work. Yeah. Who knows what he was thinking? But you know, he thought, oh, well, maybe if they weren't going to really chase, he could have got a bit of a gap. But they, they brought him back. Good on him. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, all right, that's it. Wombat breath. Thanks for insights and memories, guys. Great show as always. Good on you, Wombat. Uh, we'll see you all again tomorrow. As we always say, make sure you tell your mates, youtube.com forward slash the detour podcast. We're also on Apple, iTunes, Spotify. Give us a rating review and we'll see you again tomorrow uh, for stage number 13. Uh, see you then. Cheers. Cheers, guys.